You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Thursday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. Excited to be back for another episode today. And while this episode will continue to go on today, uh, it's going to be a little bit different. We had a crossover episode with Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, breaking down the game tonight, Iowa versus Ohio State. However, that game has been postponed, yet we're going to continue with that piece of the conversation because we talked about a lot of things that are important regardless of the game being played tonight. What to expect from Iowa? How do you defend Iowa? What has been going on with their offense? And what are some of the key players to watch in any given game? That is all being covered on today's crossover episode with Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. And on tomorrow's episode, we're going to be breaking down Kirk Ferentz's news conference, so be on the lookout for that. But first, before we get into the show, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. With that being said, let's turn our attention to our conversation with Jay Stevens of the Locked On Buckeyes podcast right now. Buckeye fans and Hawkeye fans, there's a big game tonight and this is the place to be to get ready for it. I am Jay Stevens, the host of Locked On Buckeyes, and with me is Andrew Wade, the host of Locked On Hawkeyes. We were talking off air about this game, a little bit about Iowa, a little bit about Ohio State. And we're going to unveil what we talked about and then a whole lot more here for you. Andrew, it's cold here in the Midwest. It's about to start snowing. Not looking forward to it. But it's a, there's a big game, and I hope it's there's a lot of big play on the court tonight. How you doing, man? You ready for the game tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, Am I ready for the game? No. Um, Iowa basketball <laughs> has been very uh, frustrating to me lately, and so I'm trying to take away the fan aspect of it so I don't get so emotionally invested and just cover it from – a media perspective. Uh, it'll be fun if Iowa wins. If Iowa loses, it's what I was expecting. To be completely honest, um, Iowa has not beaten any teams that they shouldn't beat. Hmm. Did I say that right? They haven't beaten a single team they shouldn't beat. Yeah. And they've beaten most teams they should beat, and they've lost to a couple teams they should have beat. So it's just, it's been a weird season, man. Um, and it is, I'm actually in Denver. I don't know if you actually knew that, but I'm actually in Denver. Hmm. Um, but we have seven inches of snow on the ground right now, so it is also cold as hell here, uh, which is not ideal. But, yeah, man, I'm ready for Big Ten basketball. I'm not looking forward to tonight's game, though. You're kind of killing the mood because I am, <laughs> I'm in Indiana, and we're about to get, I think, a foot of snow over the next couple of days, maybe about a 24-hour span. I hope the game does not get snowed out. The weather's like, hey, we're not playing the game because I'm looking forward to the game because I want to see how Ohio State bounces back after their last second loss to Purdue. Jay Nivey is just a different type of player. It's I'm absurd. glad he's not playing in tonight's game against Ohio State because it could be the same result once again. You went a little bit into what, what Iowa's season has been. Ohio State season, they are good, but they're not fully healthy. They're good, but the rotation has been changing game by game. And I don't know. I mean, we're into February, and I still don't know who's going to be the starting five for tonight's game. It's kind of one of those things where Chris Holtman's kind of just going with the flow. Whatever happens, whatever the team or the opponent dictates, that's what we're going to do. That can be good. That can be bad. You guys don't have Jay Nivey, but Iowa does have Keaton Murray. I think his name is Keaton Murray. Yep, Keaton Murray. Yep. Excuse me. Yep. And uh, that's one guy that if you don't have him ready to – if you're not ready to guard him, <laughs> it could be a long day for you. 
Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Iowa's such a weird team. Uh, they have another national player of the year candidate again in Keegan Murray. They have his brother, who no one talks about, Chris Murray, who when he has an opportunity is arguably the second best player on the team. We have three guys who are 6'8 and can guard the one through four, if not the one through five. Keegan Murray has played center at times, um, yet we're trash on defense. We are inconsistent on offense. Uh, are the best three-point shooter in the history of the Big Ten can't hit a freaking shot to save his life right now. Um, and we just lost to Penn State on the road. So I do apologize for killing the vibe here, but I don't have a vibe. I'm just unhappy. Um, this has been – it's only been two games, but we lost three out of the last four. We lost to Rutgers on a last-second game – or last-second uh, shot, which is unfortunate. I would argue the officiating in the Big Ten is one of the worst I've ever seen this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Um should never have been a, a foul call there, but regardless, I digress. We beat Penn State, thank God. Uh, it was on a Saturday, and Carver was packed and sold out, so I'm going to give some bonus points to just the fans. We lose to Purdue. Honestly, it was never really close. We made it kind of close halfway through the second half, but it was really never close. Um, anytime we got close, Purdue's like, oh, we'll just have another guy hit a three. No big deal. And then Penn State, uh, that was just a nasty game. It was just a gross game. Iowa should – I mean – People want to blame the officiating. Iowa shouldn't have let it become like get down to that. We shouldn't have had to have a miracle last second tip in by Keegan Murray to make it to overtime. Uh, we should have fouled in the set, the first overtime. I mean, it's just bad thing after bad thing, man. Uh, and I'm not sure what team's going to show up. Iowa has not done well on the road. Um, they have. Let me look at it. They only have two road wins this whole year. One was against Minnesota, and I think it's really important to call out that. That Minnesota team had seven scholarship players available. Oh, uh, they were missing okay. like three starters. They were playing a couple walk-ons, and they were absolutely gassed halfway through that game. So I think that's really important to call out. And Virginia. And Virginia is not yesterday's or last year's Virginia. This is a bad Virginia basketball team, and it took a lot to beat that team. Uh, those are our only two road wins, and we just lost to Penn State on the road. We lost to Rutgers on the road. We lost to Iowa State on the road. I mean, it just mm-hmm. – we're not good on the road, man. And Ohio State's a solid basketball team. So I'm scared. Yeah, you kind of killed the vibe there. But I think Ohio State fans will love everything you just said <laughs> about how this right game now. might go. Yeah. <laughs> I do know, though, Ohio State, I can rip Ohio State, go crazy on them. They're 13-5. and five. One of the downfalls for this team was not their fault. They got hit by the COVID bug and had to have three, missed three games in a row. I believe it was a 22-day hiatus in between games. And so it took a little bit of time to get their feet wet, get their legs back under them, get their wind once again. Because when you're going from playing basketball, then you're stopping and you can't even do a five on five or four on four, even a three on three scrimmage, you're losing your wind as well. All the wind sprints, all the running, all things you can do that can't like compensate for what game speed, what game wind, game conditioning is. They're slowly getting that back. And I do think against Purdue, they did get down 20, but you started to see this Ohio State team can fight. They believe in themselves. They when the shots start clicking, their defense starts getting better. And we saw that with Ohio State on on uh, this past Saturday. Ohio State did play Wisconsin. This one was in Ohio State at, at Ohio State the first time they played. And Jordan Davis did his thing. He did kind of get loose a little bit. But Ohio State and EJ Liddell and the rest of the team, they, they were just too much firepower for Wisconsin. Now, I don't know what to expect tonight. I keep saying that, and I just don't know. If Keegan Murray goes off, sorry, bye. Like, it could be one of those games. Ohio State misses shots. A three-point shot has not been falling lately. Justin Arns, who supposed to be one of the better shooters in the country, 
can't hit nothing. I think he hit one three against Purdue. He's missed a lot. He missed a lot previously before that. I just don't know, but it could be one of those games. If Murray gets hot, it could be all Iowa needs to win this matchup. Yeah, and when I look at it, I mean, Iowa does match up well with Ohio State in this matchup mm-hmm. because you look at, like, the size-wise, uh, there's not a size advantage for Ohio State going mm-hmm. up against Iowa. Iowa plays a lot of small ball. So does Ohio State. I think the tallest guy I saw on your roster was six foot eight from, like, a, an active playing time perspective. Iowa has Philip Abracha, six foot nine, who's technically our center, but he's really, honestly, a stretch four. Like, that's really mm-hmm. what he should be playing. That's what his true role should be. So in this game, that makes sense. For him. This is going to be a good opportunity for him to go, yep, go up against EJ Liddell um, in this game. I'm curious. So you mentioned Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray is going to be a huge factor in this game. Keegan Murray um, struggled a lot at the beginning of that Penn State game. But he one of the things I've been really impressed about is even when he goes 0 for 6, 0 for 8, 0 for 9, he finds a way to keep this team in the game. Um, against Penn State, in a one-minute sequence, he drains a three to keep, keep it within two points. He goes over down the um, down the court, blocks the shot, then goes back down the court. Jordan Bohannon airballs a three, and Keegan Murray goes underneath the rim and taps it in for the two to get us into overtime. I mean, that, that was an amazing one-minute sequence after what could arguably be a really bad game for Keegan Murray. So you always have to be on the lookout for him. My question to you is, how do you guard Keegan Murray? Because when I look at Ohio State, you have some size that could, you know, be bodying up on Keegan, but Keegan's going to be a bit more athletic than those guys. So how do you handle a Keegan Murray? This could be one of the better matchups for him in the Big Ten play. All right, y'all, I need to quickly pause the conversation with Jay to remind you that BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right up into the big game, which is taking place. In just a little over a week. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of all the current games going on each and every day. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. And it is Super Week brought to you by Get Upside. And there is no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On NFL, Locked On Bengals, and Locked On Rams will be in LA all week covering the big game. Let's turn our attention back to our conversation with Jay right now. There's one of two things that I do believe Chris Holman will do. He kind of showed it um, against the last game against Purdue. And he's, I think he's kind of trying to kind of trending this way with the second unit. First off, Malachi Branham, he is a true freshman. He's He started off against Jordan Davis the first time when Ohio State hosted Wisconsin. Davis got the better of him a couple of times down the court. And the next thing you know, Chris Holman's like, look, you can get me twice. You're not going to get me three, four, or five times in a row. Made a quick switch, and it was a great switch at that time. So it could be Malachi Branham. I'm kind of skeptical about putting a true freshman against a guy as, that's as lethal as Murray is. But he's been starting. He's been playing really good basketball on both ends of the court. And I do think that's where, he, where you're going to start. Second off the bench is probably going to be Eugene Brown, a little bit more of a, uh, I think it's like six, 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 seven, sturdy frame. I do think that's like a secret weapon, not so much a secret weapon anymore because Brown's been getting more playing time, but that's one of those weapons that Chris Holtman can utilize in this game. Say Brandon gets into early foul trouble. Don't bring in Justin Arns. If Michi Johnson does not um, um, doesn't start, I wouldn't bring in Michi Johnson either. I'm bringing in Eugene Brown for this for this matchup. This is me now. Chris Holtman may go another way, and I think if he goes another way, I honestly think it would be 
stupid to go down that road. I think that you got to have Branham and then Eugene Brown, and those are the only two guys that you have guard Murray in this game. That makes sense to me. And I think the other thing you have to watch out for is Iowa also has Keegan's brother, right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's wrong to call him Keegan's brother because Chris, in his own right, is going to be a star player, I feel like. he He's doing everything that Keegan did last year, but this year. And he is a better shooter than Keegan, which I think people aren't realizing as well. Chris is our best shooter on the team right now and has the ability to take over a game offensively. I would like to see him get more involved on the glass and in other aspects of the game. But Chris is another solid player. Then you add in Patrick McCaffrey, who can go coast to coast. And when he's paying attention on defense, can be a really amazing defender. I mean, there were times against Penn State where uh, he kind of just got caught watching, and all of a sudden his guy is just running right behind him like, this is not going to end well. And then he just kind of jogged over to him, like didn't really do a lot. Um, but those three guys, all six foot eight, all athletic, all can guard again, that one through five spot. Those are going to be interesting matchups. Uh, I'm curious, how have you have you seen teams match up on EJ Liddell? How have they guarded EJ Liddell? Uh, to me, he's kind of been more of a – and I'm not, I don't mean to, to hate on EJ Liddell. He's a yeah. fantastic player, but he's not your traditional four or five, right? I mean, he's, a, he's, he's really undersized and not exactly overly quick. So I'm just curious, like how do teams match up on it and what makes him so effective? Let's just go back to the most recent game. Cause I do, do think um, Matt Panner had a good game plan and he actually had a guy that was a gr- good build and Mason Gillis. Mason Gillis was locked up with EJ Liddell. Most of the game, it was one of those battles where, Mason Gillis is six foot six. I want to say he might be 220, maybe 220, just by just looking at a physical frame. And that may be the kind of guy that you need because Liddell will want to take bigs out to the three-point line, either dribble drive, mid-range, or even just pop a shot right in their face at the three-point line. Well, you can't do that against Mason Gillis. He's quicker. He can you you can't really body him. He's going to and that's the type of player that you need to have against Liddell. Because if you have a 6'10. 250 slow foot big man in the Big Ten, Liddell's going to destroy him all day. If you have a guy that's, say, 6'4, 200 pounds, Liddell's 6'6, 240. He's going to eat, he's going to kill you and destroy you all day long. Now, you may be quicker as at 6'4, 200, but Liddell has the body and the size. The one thing with this team, though, that I do think can you could slow down Liddell a little bit more and create turnovers is well-timed double teams. And I'm not just saying well-timed double teams as far as like the timing of it, but I'm going to couple that also with the where the double team is coming from. Ohio State's been a bad three-point shooting team. I mean, bad lately. People, I was watching one broadcast, like, oh, Ohio State's shooting good from three. I'm like, what team have you been watching? They can hit the three occasionally, but they're, this is not a team where you're going to say, yeah, they're going to kill you from three. You need, you need to watch it because when you least expect it, they're going to hit five in a row. That's not this team. And so a well-timed double team, when you get that coming from the proper angle and from the proper guy, a lot of times Liddell is going to look to throw to Zed Key. That's not always the best move, especially when they're both going to be inside from the mid-range to the block area. Sometimes you're going to get the guy leaving, let's just say, a Jamari Wheeler, which is okay because Wheeler's not your traditional three-point shooter. And so you got to make sure you know when you're going to double team what angle the double team's coming from, and what man is going to be the double teamer. So that's a lot in a little short period of time. But I do think that double team really at times, especially in crunch time, when, it, when things kind of get a little bit more tense, that's probably going to be the ideal way to slow down Liddell. The thing is, though, it's hard. I mean, even against Mason Gillis, 
he put up 20 points. And so mm-hmm. I'm talking about a guy that did a good job defending him. Liddell still had 20. And so he's very, very tough to defend. And one thing he's done very, very well, a little bit more long-winded answer, letting the game come to him. There was a time earlier where he was just forcing it and just trying to get his shots early or trying to force feed it into Zed Key. Morally, it's more just whatever the defense is throwing at Ohio State, Liddell's going to say, hey, I am going to just facilitate, work this thing around. If I don't get my shots off consistently till the second half, he's been fine with that. And I do think that's the formula Ohio State needs, especially against Iowa, because if he starts force feeding shots and if he just starts jacking up shots that are stupid, dumb, idiotic shots, that might be Ohio State's downfall. Yeah, there's a lot of things to unpack with that. So I'm gonna yes, yes. I'm gonna uh, start with the, the first one I can think of on top of my head. Um, if EJ Liddell does play that facilitator role and is able to be patient mm-hmm. in that facilitator role, there will be opportunities for the Buckeyes. Iowa does a great job defensively, and this is ironic considering I said Iowa is terrible defensively. They do a great job early on in the shot clock defensively, but if you stay patient, there will be an open shot at some point on the perimeter. And you mentioned the fact that Ohio State has struggled. I just went back through the last couple of games shooting 20%, 25%, 15% from three. But they do have the capability yes. of getting hot at a time. And if you're giving them wide open looks, that is going to be difficult for the Iowa Hawkeyes to stop that. The other piece Iowa has really struggled with, that it actually looks like Ohio State might be struggling with as well when you look at the advanced metrics, is rebounding. The other issue is Iowa does a great job of holding on to teams for most of the shot clock. They get a shot off. They miss the rebound. The other team gets it. They pop off another shot. They score. I mean, it, it has been like the story of our lives with Iowa and this, this defense, uh, which has been incredibly frustrating. I think when you mentioned the fact that they played Mason Gillis on A.J. Liddell, I think perfect. Iowa has three of those guys, right? Patrick McCaffrey, Keegan Murray, Chris Murray. They do a great job if they are one-on-one with these guys. Philip Abracha also might be on him. Um, as well, Bill Bracha might be a bit of a matchup uh, problem for Bracha and not for EJ Liddell. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch that. What I'll be interested in, though, is if Iowa goes man versus zone against Ohio State. And if they're playing zone, EJ Liddell has an opportunity to facilitate and work it around the perimeter and get some open looks. Now, you mentioned the double teams. I will say Iowa defensively, that has been one of the coolest and best developments of this team. They are not a... They're really a boomer bust defensive team. They mm-hmm. are great at forcing turnovers in a hurry. Uh, we're going to talk about your boy, Tony Perkins, but Tony Perkins has done a phenomenal job on the defensive end of the basketball court. Uh, they do a great job of forcing turnovers. They do a great job of uh, trapping a half court, uh, having well-timed double teams. But if the team breaks that double team, all hell breaks loose and it is game over. Uh, so that can be an issue as well for the Iowa Hawkeyes defensively. Tony Perkins, let's go ahead and start right there once again, because I do think Ohio State fans will want to know more about Tony Perkins. I talked about him last year. Andrew and I did a little show last year previewing the Ohio State-Indiana-Iowa game. Excuse me. I'm from Indiana. Tony Perkins is from from Indiana. And I told Andrew, I want to hear about the guys that are from Indiana that I watched play basketball in high school. At the time, it was Jack Nungy. I think now he's at Xavier. Tony Perkins is still there. What can fans expect? Because we talk about Keegan Murray all the time. He's going to get a lot of the attention. I wonder how that defensive matchup is going to be for Ohio State because if Chris Holtman is going to start Jamari Wheeler and then Justin Arns and then uh, Malachi Branham, that could be a defensive nightmare if he starts Michi Johnson and it's Justin Arns. I don't really – I personally don't trust Michi Johnson that much on defense. Um, He's young, and he plays like he's a young basketball player. 
But Tony Perkins, though, what can he what does he provide for Iowa and what can Ohio State fans expect when Iowa and Ohio State play? Yeah, so Tony Perkins really provides a spark defensively. Um, offensively, his game is still developing. And as we kind of talked about before the show, the, the, the issue is I feel like his game doesn't mesh perfectly with how Iowa's offense is typically ran. And he's not the number one guy when he's on the court. He's typically not the guy who is expected to take all the shots. He comes out there and he plays very outstanding defense, but he's just typically not going to be that offensive juggernaut. He's still working on developing that three-point shot. He had some nice, nice games uh, early on in the season. Illinois and Purdue, he went three of six from th- or three of five from three um, early on in the season. Two of two versus North Carolina Central, um, and then two of five versus Western Michigan and Alabama State. So he did a little better job of developing the outside shot, um, but we haven't seen it nearly as much as of late. He at least hasn't hit that nearly as much. And again, I feel like Tony Perkins game is more predicated on driving to the basket and he's not getting those opportunities to really succeed in that way offensively. But Tony Perkins is a fun and fantastic player to watch. Uh, Defensively, he is so energetic. Iowa at times, well, last year, at least, especially they would get so pissed off at how lackadaisical they were playing on defense with their first team. They would sub everyone out. Screw it all. Joe Wieskamp, you're out. Luka Garza, you're not Luke Garza, you kind of keep Luke Garza, but everyone else, you're all out, and we're putting in our second unit because they're actually going to play some defense, and that's what you see with Tony Perkins. Uh, he just does such a good job of man and in zone on defense. Anytime you have him on a guy, that guy's not going to be able to do a lot. Um, I would like to see his game develop more offensively and become more of a, a, a playmaker on the offensive side of the ball, but we're not seeing it as of yet. Um, and when you look at even the advanced metrics, it kind of shows that as well. Um, the last couple of weeks, a 92 offensive rating, a 71 offensive rating, 87, a zero versus Rutgers, 96 versus Indiana, 36 versus Wisconsin, 94 versus Maryland. So um, not exactly your ideal offensive rating, but I do think it's more of a combination of Iowa's offense is struggling as a whole. Tony Perkins doesn't really know what his role is in that. And Fran McCaffrey is also trying to figure out what are these lineups going to look like because he has his starting point guard who is – chaos in a bottle uh, sometimes is fantastic. It does a great job running the floor. Other times turns it over like nobody's business also can't shoot the ball. You have Jordan Bohannon, the best three point shooter in the history of the big 10 who has been atrocious lately. Um, so you're just trying to figure out what these lineups look like. And actually I just got a notification. This is kind of an interesting development. I would, it, it could probably impact Tony Perkins a little bit. Um, Fran has said he's not opposed to changing the starting lineup which I think um, is very interesting because that starting lineup has been the exact same the whole year, um, barring injury. So that, to me, I would think means Jordan Bohannon might come off the bench or Joe Toussaint comes off the bench, which means either Aaron Euless comes in at the point guard spot or Tony Perkins or Chris Murray. Now, that's where I think it gets really interesting. Do you play the traditional shooting guard or do you go real tall, six foot eight across the board, and you have Chris Murray in that starter role, and then you go a little bit smaller in that backup spot? I My guess is you would play Tony Perkins as that starting guard if you were to make that lineup switch, though. I got one little question for you because Ohio State is one of the teams that does post up more often than any other team in the country. I think at one point I saw that their post-up rate was like at 20%, which I thought, which I thought was outrageous, but – when I look back at the games, I don't even re- I don't even realize it in the moment. But between Zed Key, EJ Liddell, occasionally Kyle Young, Joey Brunk gets sprinkled in. Every- I think he's averaging six minutes a game. Played a lot more against Purdue, but he gets sprinkled in every now and then. They have guys that they want to go inside to first quickly, play inside out more old school basketball. 
how will Iowa combat that if Ohio State wants to continue to post up and throw the ball inside? Yeah, I mean, I think that actually bodes well for Iowa and their zone, zone attack. So I think when you do that, you're going to have Philip Abraccia down low. Philip Abraccia does a nice job of keeping his base. He does a nice job. He's not going to block a lot of shots, but he's not going to make it easy on you, right? He's always got his hands up, and he's just going to be in your way consistently. Then the problem is, though, you're going to have guys who try to come in and double-team them down low, and if they can be smart and dish it out, that's where you have that issue with that inside-out game. We saw with Luka Garza a lot last year. Luka Garza would get double and triple teamed. Mm -hmm. He would find the open guy. Three-point shooters are going to shoot. They're going to hit. Um, that could be a problem for Iowa, and we've seen that be a problem in the past. Uh, Travion Williams did a nice job against Purdue in that similar fashion. He does. He's a nice facilitator yes. from the post. So um, if Ohio State is able to do that, that could be a problem for Iowa, um, especially if they do do a good job of hitting a few shots early on. If E.J. Liddell can get hot, or Zed Key can get hot, hit a few shots, you're going to see more double teams come down, and then you're going to see more of that opening up on the perimeter. And it's just going to be uh, a butterfly effect of bad things happening for the Iowa defense. Yeah, I really hope that Ohio State's shot that they that started falling in the second half against Purdue, I hope that continues because I do anticipate a little a lot more posting up. I think – I, I do think sometimes with the mental psyche of players, we're human. If you don't get the ball early, it might derail your effort later in the game. So I wonder if Chris Holtman knows we got to get Zed Key the ball early just to keep him mentally locked in and engaged. And then throughout the game, if they go away from him, so be it. It's just how the game dictates. So I wonder if Ohio State shot keeps falling and Ohio State wants to keep going the ball to Zed Key and Liddell at the block. I mean, this could be a 15-point win. Um, for Ohio State. I, I don't know if it'll be that large of a win. I do think Ohio State does win. I don't think that they're going to lose two games in a row, it, especially with the way they finish that game against Purdue. It's just kind of one of those games where Iowa goes in. Iowa had a close game with Penn State that still baffles me. And then Ohio State needs to really, really right now, let remind everybody, we're not just a team that's going to be number 15 to 20 all year long. We're going to be a team that nobody wants to play at the end of February, going into March, this is a great game to do so. I got I got Ohio State probably winning by six to ten points. I'm trying to be as realistic and generous as possible. Um, you said uh, you think I, Iowa's going to lose, right? Yeah, I would agree with your assessment 100%. And I think the best way to do that, I think defensively what Ohio State needs to do, I just got another notification. Connor McCaffrey's out in this Ooh. game. And Connor McCaffrey um, – uh, depending on who you talk to, uh, has very, has a very uh, what, divisive figure in Iowa basketball. Um, people who look at just stats and look at a shooting, and it's a really bad shoot. I don't like the shooting motion, but they look at the stats and they think Connor McCaffrey is terrible. Connor McCaffrey is our best facilitator. Mm -hmm. And when we're in, like when a team's playing zone defense against us, Connor McCaffrey does a really nice job of finding the open guy. Connor McCaffrey is out. I, I think it was the Indiana game. And they went, or maybe it's Minnesota as well. They went to his own defense. Iowa cannot beat it. They have not shown they can beat it yet. Uh, when, especially when Connor McCaffrey's out, they have no one to facilitate that and get it moving. And they really struggle. It just becomes throwing it around the three point line with your defenders right on you the all game. And there's just no one's able to really create for themselves in that situation. Um, if I'm if I'm Ohio State, I'm going to the post quick. I'm trying to get a few good looks quick to open that up, force Iowa to collapse on you. Then shoot the three on defense. I'm playing zone all day and making Iowa try to beat you. Make Iowa try to beat you. Make Iowa try to hit open three-point shots. They have been unsuccessful to this point. Now, again, this starting lineup thing is going to be really interesting. And uh, Fran, Fran is 
He doesn't say things like that unless he truly is thinking about it. And this wouldn't surprise me to maybe see Tony Perkins start tomorrow, which would see Jordan Bohannon coming off the bench, which I am done trying to guess what what gets Jordan Bohannon going. Like, I, I don't know how what to expect, but, like, this is one of those situations where it wouldn't surprise me Jordan Bohannon coming off the bench just super pissed off and draining, like, six threes from, like, the half-court mark. Like, ha, 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 I'm back. But also, it wouldn't surprise me for him to come off and airball three, three balls in a row. So, It'll be very interesting from an Iowa perspective, but that's how I would beat Iowa if I'm Ohio State, and I think Ohio State does that. I think Ohio State wins this game, as you said, probably by 6-10. to 10, Iowa's going to play aggressive. They're going to play strong and tough throughout the game. They're not going to give up, so they're going to always be able to keep games close, but I, I just I don't see how they win this game. I just don't. Is Bohannon the kid last year during the, during the tournament that had the T-shirt that was like – Talking bad about the NCAA. That, that, yeah. that the same kid I'm thinking about. I don't remember the T-shirt, but he's. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he was the kind of the the lead uh, person along with Geo Baker from Rutgers, uh, kind of uh, spearheading the, the NIL movement. Oh, okay, okay, yes. I don't know if it, I, I thought it was a T-shirt. Maybe maybe it wasn't. Maybe the same I don't kid. know. Man, this is fun, man. A little 25, 26 minutes. We're done. Fast forward through this whole show. I'm looking forward to the game. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I want to see Ohio State play well. I want to see Ohio State build off of that second-half performance, last 10 minutes of the game against Purdue. That's what I want. I'm being selfish. I don't care. But I just don't know if what I want or what I think is going to happen will actually happen to happen Thursday evening uh, against against Iowa. Andrew, let, let everybody know where they can follow you on Twitter. And um, if they want to follow along with the game, they might be right on your Twitter feed. Yeah, uh, you can follow me at Wade underscore Andrew, although my Twitter account is currently suspended. Uh, be, well, not suspended. I I don't have the authenticator. I got a new phone, so I can't log into my actual Twitter account. So I can only log into my Locked On Hawkeyes Twitter account, which is Locked On Iowa. You can follow me to either of those. I also drop a podcast every single day, and I'm also on YouTube. And for Hawkeye fans out there, I apologize, but I'm going to be watching this game on a party bus. I'll be down in Scottsdale for a bachelor party tomorrow. Uh, I have the game. I already had to figure out how I'm going to stream it on the TV, on the party bus. So if they win, I'll be really drunk and happy. And if they lose, I'm going to be drunk and try to forget it. So uh, Friday's morning, Friday morning's episode is going to be quite interesting for Iowa fans out there, regardless of what happens in this game. Uh, Jay, I appreciate you having me on. Though. It's always, always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, man, no problem at all, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. I will not be on a party bus during the game. I will be sober. I'll be relaxed. I'll be on my couch um, just trying to make sure that I don't have any outside influences while I'm watching this game. You're having fun, though. I'm not going to knock it. This is just my um, my thought process for when I want to watch Ohio State athletics. Guys, we're done for the day. Get ready for the game. If you're going to party like Andrew, have fun. If you're going to be relaxed on your couch like me, have fun there as well. Have food, have drinks, whatever. Let's just have fun watching this game tonight. All right, y'all, that does do it for our show today. I hope you enjoyed that crossover episode. Uh, just a reminder, we will be back tomorrow breaking down this game, Iowa versus Ohio State. It might get out a bit later. Again, as you probably heard on the conversation with Jay, if you're still listening, I am currently, as you're probably listening to this, on my way to Arizona. I have a bachelor party, so I'll be dropping some content, but just uh, probably need to wake up first before I can get to all that. So I appreciate your patience there. I want to remind you all that you can get some betting information at Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Doing a great job there, breaking down three to four games you can bet on at betonline.net. So be on the lookout for that every single day, Monday through Friday. And again, I appreciate you all tuning in to today's episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Have a fantastic Thursday. Stay safe out there. And as always, let's go Hawks.